Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 13. We're continuing in our series, Living This Life, and looking at what it means to live this life of following Jesus, to be called a Christian. And we talked last week about how we were created for community, that we need one another, that that is what the church is. It is the tribe of Jesus, so to speak, that is at work throughout history. It's not a building that we go to. It's not an organization that we belong to. It is who we are if we name Christ as our Lord and our Savior and that we have to recognize that we are responsible to one another that we are here for each other, to encourage each other, to strengthen each other. Before that, we spoke about our foundation as living sacrifices, that our life is connected to God, that we belong to Him, that our love to Him is to be above every other love in our lives, that it is a, a living relationship. It is active. It isn't stagnant. Again, it is not something that we belong to. It's something that we are engaged in. And these two things, I think, are, are easy to understand, but today I want to talk about something that I think we so easily forget. It's one of those things, you know how there are things that really resonate within you, things that are important to you that you harp on over and over and over and over again. Maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's making their bed. That wasn't mine, but anyway, maybe it is yours. There's something that just really is important to you. It eats at you. It's on your mind constantly. Well, this is one of those things for me. And so as I'm talking to you, it's almost, for me, different than having a teaching, so to speak, because I really am passionate about how we engage this. And it's interesting because you wouldn't expect this chapter here. At least I wouldn't. Paul had just been talking about our love for each other, as I mentioned in chapter 12, verse 9, he talked about let us love and be genuine. Let us love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Verse 17, repay no evil for evil. Verse 19, never avenge yourself. 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so he's talking about our love for each other and for those around us, we are supposed to be giving. And then in the middle of this, chapter 13, it almost takes this turn. And, and read this with me from verses 1 on. It says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of one, of the, one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you, for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment 
on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man is is, has fulfilled the law. The commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. We go from loving each other to paying taxes. How do you get there? How do we go from this dynamic of how we are the body, we are members of one another, here for each other, and then all of a sudden go to this place where we're talking about authority and government and responsibility that we have to those who are over us? Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of the details that I went into on Thursday, a couple of weeks ago, where we went through this chapter in depth. We saw that in Acts about A.D. 50, all the Jews were kicked out of Rome. We don't know why. We have ideas that it's because of their rebellion towards the government, but they were basically kicked out of the Roman city, and then five years later, this is being written, so they have come back. So we know that there was already tension between the Jewish culture and the Roman government at that time. We also know that taxes are very prominent in this portion where he's talking about giving to the authority, to those that are there. And we've also addressed the biblical examples where it is okay to defy authority. We talked about the midwives in Exodus who didn't kill the babies that were born. We talked about Daniel going up to pray when there was the decree not to. We saw that there were a number of situations, Esther, where people defied the authority that was over them and it was okay. We're not going to get into those things, even though they were curious things to get into. If you are curious, you can listen online to the study from Thursday night and you'll probably come away with more questions than answers. I'm good at that. Uh, but we're going to look at why is Paul telling them this? This idea of taxes, this underlining theme of being an example to the people who are around you. Doing what is required so that you can be seen in a good light, not only by them, but by your own conscience' sake. And you see, so many times our Christian faith tends to separate ourselves. We, we, we think we belong over here and we want to have our own society, but, but Jesus told us that we are to be in this world. In fact, in John 17, he prayed that we would not be taken out of the world. And I know a lot of times we're thinking, man, that's what I'm praying, Jesus. I'm praying, get me out of here. And you're praying, no, I need you to stay. 
You see, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Our lives are to be examples. We are to be lights. Our lives to, are to represent God, and not just those who believe, but those who are around us, that we can be a light to the world. And part of being the light to the world is being in the world and representing ourselves accurately. I'm amazed at how inept we can be when it comes to just natural thing. I'm going through a series called Relational Intelligence. And it's real interesting just talking about how it's important to be able to relate to people. And I'm not talking on a spiritual level. I'm talking naturally to have a conversation, to be able to converse with someone. And, and we can become uncomfortable this when we pull ourselves out and isolate ourselves in society. And we make ourselves unusual to what is happening around us, but not in a healthy way. We are to be a peculiar people, unusual, surrounded by God, influenced by God. We are not to be conformed to the world, but transformed, but we are still in this world and we need to relate to the people who are in this world so that we can be a light to them. But we've isolated ourselves. Let me give you some examples, some things that we have, things that we do and, and have kind of started our own culture. Christian schools, Christian music, Christian clothing. I don't know, can clothing be saved? Christian businesses. What would you do if you turned on the radio station and there on the radio you heard some music and, oh, this sounds interesting, and then it says, you know, yes, here we are at K Israel playing the latest Jewish hits. What would you think? You'd think, oh, that's good. I'm glad they got their own radio station, but it's not for me. But you see, we have our own Christian music. We have our own Christian clothing. But you see, your T-shirt cannot be the light of the world. Your school cannot be the light of the world. That's your job, but we like to put that over on the responsibility of these things. I have a Christian business, and I put up a, a fish on the window and a plaque that says something, a scripture, and bam, I'm good. I, I've done my part, and we've taken our responsibility and negated it to something other than I have to be the light of the world. I have to represent the Lord, not my T-shirt. And I'm not against people having T-shirts that have a message. That's fine, as long as it's a good message and as long as it's not corny. Because some are, you know. It looks like Abercrombie and Fish, you know, Fitch. And it's a breadcrumb and a fish, you know. It's like, what is that, you know? I don't know. Harley Davidson, no, it's Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. I, I mean, 
we, we have our own society. Now, I know, some of you have those shirts, and I've just... Uh, and they're cool. Uh, but you see, the shirt is not going to represent Jesus. And, and what was happening at this time is the people were saying, we have our own society. The Jewish people did it, the Jewish community, and so was the Christian church. Remember when Jesus was confronted and challenged, and they said, is it lawful to pay taxes, to give our money to Caesar, the pagan government? And Jesus said, well, give me a coin. And they gave him a coin, and they said, who's picture is on this coin. They say, well, it's Caesar. And he said, well, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. Yeah, the money goes back to Caesar, but you were created in the image of God. You belong to God. And it says they marveled at that. You see, they're trying to get, we don't have to do that. We don't have to pay taxes. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to be involved with the world. We're going to have our own society. We're going to have Christianville. And we have our own world, and we're going to live in this world and the hell with the rest of the world. And some of you are just upset because I said the word hell. (laughs) And we've taken our role and dissected it from what we were supposed to be. I remember I I got a lot of ridicule. This was years ago when I I first went on MySpace. I know this sounds trivial now because everyone here is on Facebook. But (laughs) I started a MySpace and I got, well, you know, there's advertisements that that aren't good. And, you know, we're, we're starting something that's called Godspace. And I'm like, okay, who's on it? Well, I am. Well, great. I don't want to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I mean, I do, but not on... I, I, you see, I, in the first day that I got a MySpace account, one of the kids from Wales found me, who we'd ministered to two years previously. The first day. But no, we have to have our own little society. And when we step into the world to be an example to the world, to be a light to the world, we get ridiculed. We have a hard time. We, 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 we combat one another. And yet this is what we are supposed to do. And this third step in this living the Christian faith is we have to be in this world and be a representative to the people who are in this world. It's required of us that we would do this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Jesus gives the most unusual parable Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 1. We'll read through verse 9. Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. So the guy's in trouble. 
The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. That when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Listen to this. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, this is a strange parable because here the master is commending the steward. Now, it's not okay what he did. It wasn't his to give away. He he took the master's and used it for his own gain. And Jesus isn't saying it's good to embezzle if you can get away with it. That's not the point of this parable. The point of this parable is he invested in something that was more important. He used the material to invest in people and the relationships because those relationships would be able to carry him after the money was gone. And he says that the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. That they know how to use their circumstances to develop relationships that will benefit them. How are we doing in that? You see, at this time in Romans 13, the church was isolating themselves. We don't want to pay taxes. We don't want to listen to the Roman government. I'm sure that's a pay- that, those guys are terrible. They're not Christian government. We're not going to listen to those laws. We're not going to do these things. And what they were doing was making the wrong impression, the wrong name. They were stopping themselves from being able to advance the important things of the kingdom because of the blot they were being on the conscience of people. You see, to be a Christian is more than saying, I'm a Christian. It's more than coming to church, more than singing, more than raising your hands, more than having Bible verses posted all over your homes. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. But that's not what it's about. It's about living a life that represents God accurately. Years ago, when I was working for an automatic fire sprinkler company, I was one of the engineers I designed the the fire sprinkler companies are the sprinkler systems and my kids they were all very young and Lauren was the first she started off and she got these spots on her I'm like what, what's that and then we found out oh it's the chicken pox I'm like oh okay Lauren's got the chicken pox and it went through the family I don't know which of the boys but all three of the boys got it Karina had already had them so she was like immune not me it went down, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I, they say it gets more severe as it goes along. Well, it hit me with a fervor. I looked like attack of the mushroom people. I mean, I, I had 
from head to the bottom of my foot, I was covered in these chicken pox welts, and I was, had a fever, and I would soak in that oatmeal bath stuff, and it, because it was supposed to help, you know, and I, I don't know, I guess it did. I, all I know is I was miserable, and I, I missed like a week of work or so because I couldn't go in, and when I went back in, I had all these, you know, little scabs all over me. I mean, I was, I was a beauty. I, I, I was... I went back to work and had all these things over me. And then there was this young kid who said he was a, a Christian as well. And he didn't show up Monday. One Monday, he didn't come into work. And, you know, everyone was like, well, you know, where's Richard? He's supposed to be here. And then he came in Tuesday. And he said, oh, yeah, I couldn't make it. I had the chicken pox. And the guy's like, you know, clean complexion, not a, not a mark on him. What, you had him over the weekend? You know, and, and everyone just kind of looked at him and it became the joke. Yeah, Richard has the chicken pox, you know, yeah. I won't tell you all the things that were said about Richard. But you see, he made a bad representation because Richard didn't have the chicken pox. Richard couldn't get to work on Monday because he was probably out too late on Sunday. And at those times, it really doesn't matter what Richard says about Jesus because everyone thinks, you're a liar. You've lost your credibility to me by how you act and how you behave. You see, Richard would have had more credibility. He said, you know what, I, I was out late partying and I shouldn't have been. I'm sorry. I blew it. Then, oh yeah, I had the chicken pox. First of all, dummy, pick at something else, you know, but chicken pox, it's like, I'm sitting there all scarred up, and he's like, yeah, I had the chicken pox. I'm like, look at me, look at me. You, really? Really? You know. <laughs> sorry, I still have bitterness. <laughs> You see, our lives are to be examples. And what we do and how we conduct ourselves means a lot. That we are honorable before men means a lot. That we treat people with respect means a lot. Waitresses who get the orders wrong, how do you treat them? Do you get on their case? Do you make a big deal? You're supposed to do this and, and, and then leave a track on the table? It's like, come on, don't do that. And then you pray, and there she is after being yelled at. And, and I don't know, you know, maybe she is just inept, or he. Or maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe they just had a mishap or, or something slipped their mind. And then you chew them out, and then they see you there before your meal praying. And what does that do? How does that represent Jesus? See, the people of this world are wiser in how they deal with one another than we are. And we have this message we want to communicate to people 
but do we realize that it has to do just with our everyday interaction with them as much as it does what we say about God. You have to live a life that honors God to be able to speak a life that is going to honor God. Otherwise, people can't hear you because of what you are saying. Paul talks even further about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we what lived among you for your sake. Paul said, I lived, I took care of myself for your sake. I wasn't a burden to you. I didn't come to you and say, hey, can you help me out here? You know, I'm serving God. Can you give me some, can you provide for me? Can you put me up in a nice hotel? You know, I can use a vacation. He didn't come and demand from them. He said, I behaved and took care of myself for your sake. He goes on down further in the verse, and I love J.B. Phillips' translation, for it says, be busy with your own affairs. And do your work yourselves. I like this translation because the New International says, mind your own business. And it just takes our mind the wrong place. Take care of your own affairs. Take care of your own business. The result will be a reputation for honesty in the world outside and an honorable independence. You see, the scriptures tell us that we are to live lives of responsibility because that helps the gospel. That's what Paul did. That's what we're supposed to do, that we will take care of our affairs and not be a burden to people, but work diligently. That's honorable. That's what God wants. And as Paul addresses the Roman church, he says, pay your taxes. Submit to those who are over you. Quit being so defiant. Quit trying to be so independent. Recognize that you are a part of this society and be wise in how you deal with this society. Have intelligence in how you communicate your life to other people. Preach the gospel by how you live. Because if you're not a good worker, if you're in debt, if you're constantly asking people for things, how can then you present? Hey, and by the way, you need Jesus. If it's going to make me like you, that's okay. I'll, I'll stay where I'm at. And we don't realize the impression we're leaving on people when we don't live lives of responsibility. And all of us have situations where we have needs. I've been helped by my family more times than I can count. But I still have to be responsible. I still have to put the effort in. I'm not going to be, well, I depend on you guys to bail me out. If I'm successful, then I can use the resources God gives me to help others. And then I have the opportunity to speak in their lives because I have been of value to them. And you see, that's where the people of the world use their wealth in a way to have influence. Do we ever think about using our affluence to influence people for the gospel's sake? That we can help someone out and by that 
give the avenues so that we can speak into their lives. Why? Because we've befriended them, because we've helped them, because we've opened up an opportunity where they're, in a sense, indebted to us, grateful to us, listening to us. And we've opened up the opportunity to tell them who Jesus is because of what we've done. This is so important in this Christian life. It's not just, oh, me and you, God, me and you. We saw that it requires a community. It requires what we call the church. And it also requires responsibility to the society that we live in and to the people that we speak to. It's very important. And so that's why Paul goes from speaking of loving one another, of caring for one another, of forgiving one another, of not wanting vengeance on each other, to submit to authority, to pay your taxes, to be responsible. And then he's going to go on and talk about those who are strong help those who are weak. You see, the whole mindset is other than. It's not mindful just of me, but it's mindful of others. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul wrote, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptations and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Then Paul says something that, has been intriguing me as I've been looking at this chapter. For he says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money. Once you talk about money, it gets everyone a little bit uptight. But Jesus spoke about it. Paul spoke about it. And Jesus put it in this way. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is our treasure? As followers of Jesus Christ, what do we value? Because I have found by experience in my own life and by people I have seen that we can be no different than the rest of the world in wanting to accumulate for ourselves just so that we can have more. And instead of taking our wealth, our surplus, and using it for God's sake, we use it for our own sake. Now, I'm not here telling you how to give. We don't even collect an offering. We have the bucket in the back. That's all I'm going to say. But your money, is that your treasure? Is that what you're living for? Is that what you're working for? Why does Jesus also say later on, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He just talked about the treasure, and now he's talking about God and money. He's talking to us about the things that are important to us. And what really matters, yeah, it's good to make money, but what do you do with it? What is your purpose? Do you use it for goodness sake, or do you use it for selfish sake? 
Is it what you are living for? Is it what you are working for? Or does it have a purpose beyond just satisfying the cravings of your flesh? Because I believe we are being challenged. And what bothers me and what I've had to deal with myself in this area is, okay, where is God leading me? Well, I don't know. Where's the money? I know so many people who have been called to another position, and it's always a position with more money. Coincidence? And every now and then you find someone who's called to a position where they took a pay cut. And I think, that's neat. There was something more important than just the paycheck. And we need to be careful that we're not living just to make a dollar, that our lives are more value than just the material, just the treasures where inflation can take away. That we have invested in eternal things and we can take even the monetary things and put them to spiritual use. I love when we go someplace and feed the people there in that community. What I shared Tuesday night is we're doing this because we love you. We don't want anything of you. We don't want you to give any money. We don't want you to join our church. We want you to know we love you and that God loves you. When we went to Vizcaino and helped out that community, we didn't go there so we could get something back. We went there to bless and to give because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is how we represent Jesus. Just as Paul went into that community and says, I didn't require anything of you. I lived an example so that you could see that I really cared about you. And you need to work diligently too. Take care of your business so that you're not a burden to anyone. Why? Because that's a good example of what a Christian is to be. It is our responsibility I want to end with one last scripture in James. It says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If we are going to live this life, we need to understand that there is a pollution in this world where we can say, yeah, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to belong to that. And it always has to do with I want more for myself instead of I am here to be a light and an example to those around us. I am here not for myself, not to get all that I can. He who dies with the most toys still dies. I like that bumper sticker. It says, eat healthy, exercise, and die anyway. <laughs> I don't recommend it as a motto. I just <laughs> find comfort in it. But the truth is there is a foundation that we need to recognize that is more important than the temporary. That there is a religion that represents God honorably, and it's how we are seen relationally. 
by the world around us, how people see us. And this was important enough for God to put this chapter in the book of Romans to say, you guys need to submit to the authority. You need to pay your taxes. You need to honor those who are above you. You need to be an example. It's important. And it's important for us to take this to heart. What do we love? What are we serving? Is it God or is it money? I want to live for God or I want to get all that I can. If I get, what am I going to do with it? How does God want to use me and what he's given me? Now that's between you and God. I'm not even going to touch that. But you see, it goes back to our first study where we talked about a living sacrifice. We want people to tell us what to do with our lives, with our finances, instead of answering to God for them. And we need to answer to God for those things. That's what's important. And so see your life in this society that we're in. See yourself as a light and as an example by what you do, by how you conduct yourself, by how you connect to other people, communicate to other people, how you represent Jesus without talking about Jesus. That way when you do bring his name up, it has validity, it has weight, it has credibility because of the example that we've been. Let's pray. Lord God, even as I'm speaking about money and responsibility, I am so aware that we are living in a time where there are a lot of people without work. There is a surplus of need at this time. And I wonder, God, if that surplus of need isn't really a surplus of opportunity for you to use us, even in small ways, like with these children who are homeless and are students, or with those that we know who are in need that we can help out in a little way. Father, you haven't asked us to give quantity. You've asked us to give out of our heart and out of our substance. You talked about the widow who gave just two pennies, and yet she gave more than those who gave a lot because she gave from what was her substance. Lord, may our faith cost us something. May we recognize that we are in a society and what we do with our money, with our lives, tells what we believe. How we conduct ourselves in all these areas will either bring honor to you or will 
be for our self-gain. May we see the surplus of need as a surplus of opportunity. And may our hearts be prompted to do what you would prompt us to do in those areas of need, to give what we can and do it unto you, to give and not expect to get back, to, to do it because we want you to be seen. We want to be good examples of who you are. And may we not neglect this area of our faith. Even as we seek you, we have our devotions, we pray, even as we gather together, whether it's on Sunday or Thursday or whenever we get together, may we not neglect our representation of you to the world around us. May we see this as an important step in living this life of faith in you, Jesus. And I pray you would help us all May we not be condemned. I pray no one leaves here feeling condemned, but may we be exhorted to, to do what will honor you. Lord, I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.